Amen, Andrew. Uh, we're going to teach you uh, how to live out that prayer that Andrew just prayed. Are you guys glad to be in the house of God this morning? Give him a round of applause, man. Good to be out here this morning. Uh, glad you shook all that snow off of you guys. And uh, Anyway, we're glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, man, I got uh, so uh, out of practice of doing this that I forgot to do the offering this morning. So uh, remember your easy tie that you're watching online or we have our offering boxes located uh, here up front as you leave today. Uh, we uh, encourage you. Uh, on the Sabbath, on the Lord's Day, to give and to worship Him with your tithes and your offerings. And so, thank you guys for being so faithful to give. Welcome to Connect Church. My name is Terry Pierce. I have the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here. And uh, we're so excited about today. Would remind you a couple of quick changes. Uh, actually, one is still going on. Uh, the deacons will meet this afternoon, 3 o'clock. So, uh, make sure that you guys are here. Uh, and then uh, the kids at heart will not meet uh, this week. They wanted me to be sure and announce that. <clears throat> well, today we're going to begin the message off by sharing with you something that I don't like. I'm going to tell you about an experience that uh, raising three kids and growing up, uh, raising three kids and raising them up, and uh, we would take our kids to Chuck E. Cheese. And I am going to tell you I am not a fan of... Uh, of Chuck E. Cheese. So I just got to let you know that. Uh, and back in the day, not only did we have three boys that we raised and we had to do the uh, regular meetings at Chuck E. Cheese, not to eat pizza, as you well know, that's a, just a farce. But uh, we were also in those early days, we were the lead pastor the youth workers uh, blended the music. Uh, we pretty much did the whole show, the whole church thing, and by ourselves. And so youth pastors, man, we were carrying all of the youth group uh, every other month, Chuck E. Cheese, and doing all those kind of things. And I learned to despise Mighty Mouse. And you have to know, back in the day, whenever we started taking our kids and church youth groups to Chuck E. Cheese, he was just a little bitty mouse. Now he's a big old rat. Anyway, uh, anyway and so uh, let me give you my top reasons of why I'm not a Chuck E. Cheese fan. But you've got to know before I say all this, that God in his sense of humor loves to just keep us humble. So now I have four grandchildren, and guess where they want to go? To see the rat. Anyway, uh, and so, but here's how the reason I grew up uh, and really just was not a fan of Chuck E. Cheese, because you take your kids, and you know the drill, you take your kids there, and you set them down in the little tables, and long tables, and you're waiting for the curtains to come back, and I don't know how they do it now, I haven't been in a while, but you know, you're waiting for the mouse to come on and do his really bad music, and, uh, and all those kind of things, but you're there, and, and you know the whole thing that you're telling your kids, and you're bribing your kids, and you're trying to con your kids and it's not working, but you tell them, just eat the pizza and then we'll go play. It just doesn't work. It's all a total uh, lie. And you know what happens next is your kids eat two bites of pizza. It's not even that good. And then they're immediately, they bring you their cups. And especially if you've got the whole youth group and we had three kids and so it was a nightmare. Andrew was always like, I didn't get as many coins as my brothers. And so I literally, I'm spending my whole time, I only go there to eat. I even get the salad. Uh, but I want, I want to eat, but no, I don't get to eat and do the salad. I got to listen to some cornball music and then I'm spending all my time with the cups trying to divide up and make sure that all the exact same amount of coins is in the John Brown cup. And then you know what your kids do as soon as they get their cups and eat their two bites of pizza. They trip 
as soon as they go to the playground and the coins go everywhere and then all the kids just like animals, woof, you know, they're, they're landing on there. I hate Chuck E. Cheese. But then it gets worse. So then you go and you've played and you've been there and your headache and all of the ADD stuff is going off the lights and stuff and so it's just like, it's a crazy place for me. And then all of a sudden, dad, 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 and they're going to this little place where this worker that looks like she's miserable, and she says, what do you want, kid? And you hear your little kids point up, and they go, I want that airplane, that big giant airplane that has a picture of the mouse on it, and dad, how many tickets does it take to get that airplane? And you look up, and the sign says, four million And you already know, between three kids and youth group and everything else, you spent $85 and you have a total of 3 million tickets. And not enough to pay for the $2 airplane that their kid wants. And then it gets worse. Because at Chuck E. Cheese, not only have you had all this misery, all of these experiences, you haven't got to eat to the pizza that wasn't that good anyway. And then you go to play the games. And do you know they have all of the games, and yeah, they've got basketball, and it's okay, but it's just too short, and uh, I did get the high score. Anyway, uh, and you've got all the other stuff, but you know what the worst game in there is? And I still got nightmares about it. The worst game in Chuck E. Cheese is you take a wooden mallet, and it's got a, 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 a hose hooked to it, and all of a sudden, this little mole pops up, and you hit it. And I mean, now at that point, David, I'm glad to hit anything that's not a kid, and I don't go to jail. So the little mole pops up, and I whack it, but you, lo and behold, and I'm ADD. So you know what happens? Another one pops up. And so you whack it, and then another one pops up, and you whack it, and then they're going nuts. They're popping up all over the place, and you're whacking the daylights out of it, and you finally just throw the hammer because you realize you're never going to be able to whack all the moles. Now, I said all of that about I'm trying to find a biblical text of why God doesn't want us to go to Chuck E. Cheese, and I'll find it. But I said all that to say this. Here's my spiritual metaphor lesson for the day. We're going to get more positive. Hang on is that our lives are really a lot like whack-a-mole. Every day we live our lives and it seems like a new evil pops up. Are you with me this morning? It just seems like, man, I get one victory of temptation conquered in my life and then another one pops up and another one pops up and I try to whack it down. Do you not feel like our lives are just like a spiritual whack-a-mole that the devil just keeps popping up into our lives and causing misery and pain and we're in this cycle? And so that is my spiritual metaphor lesson for today. Thanks for coming. Well, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. All right, uh, uh, so, I mean, that, that is all true, and that's how we're going to sort of, we, we've got to identify this today. But what I want to share with you in our text this morning is that Jesus has a better way for us to live. Jesus really does, which you're going to find out in the text this morning, want you to be happy. We're even, he's even going to use this word that has escaped many of us, happy, 
smile. <laughs> I mean, Jesus really does. Let me say it again. He wants you all to be happy. Okay, seven of you. All right, anyway, uh, so uh, he really does want us to be happy this morning, and he's wanting us to identify and understand what that looks like in our life. But the whack-a-mole issues come up in our life. So let me bring out a couple of them and see if you guys relate. Is anybody ever not went to bed on time on Saturday night, woke up, came to church, and went to sleep during the message? Okay. Not you, raise your hand. You work here. All right, anyway, uh, have you ever uh, stayed up late and missed church? Because, anyway, have you ever eaten too many calories? Oh, yeah, I didn't have to go there on day of fasting and prayer. Good night, preacher. Have you ever made any commitments and New Year's resolutions that you didn't keep? Have you ever, and the hardest one of all, yeah, let's go there this morning, have you ever decided this is the year I'm going to exercise? <laughs> anyway, uh, so the truth of the matter is, is that we've all had these things that we decided that we were going to do, but we didn't do well. well. Welcome to the human race. Now let's get real. Uh, on your screen this morning, we have a list, uh, and we're going to take a little inventory test this morning to talk to you guys about the evil that keeps popping up in our lives. And so I wonder about this list. Which one of these things in your, on maybe your list uh, are like the whack-a-mole? Man, I seem to knock one down, but the next one pops up. Stress? Man, it just what, fears? Overwork? Addictions? Pornography? Regrets? Yo-yo diets, or if I, for the teenagers, yo-yo diets. Okay. <laughs> so, yo-yo. Okay, all right. I worry. Uh, bad habits. <laughs> all right. Uh, anger. Some of you are feeling that now. Uh, terribly in debt. Uh, how's those Christmas presents looking now? Uh, anyway, uh, painful memories. And then some of you guys just struggle that your past just keeps raising its ugly head and popping up into your life. And some of us really, truly feel like our lives have these problems that just keep popping up. And the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus wants to teach us how to deal with this. But he can't because we all have a problem. And do you know what the root problem for each one of us is here this morning? Hang with me, we're going to get better, but we gotta, we got to sort of peel it down before we can build you back up. The root problem for every one of us is, is that we like to play God. Let's just own it. We like to play God. When I act like I'm God, then, and he's telling me, I need to do my hear journals, I need to go to church, I need to pray. When God's trying to say, let me show you how to have a better life, let me teach you how to be happy, you're like, no. Nah. I'm going to do this my own way. I'm going to skip my devotions and watch TV. I'm going to spend time on my phone. I'm not going to go to church, blah, blah, blah. And all the while, we keep making decisions because we want to play God in our life. And we wonder why the whack-a-mole stuff keeps wearing us out and getting the best of it. You're not the first generation that has tried to play God. Let's just get real. In Genesis chapter 3... Adam and Eve, think about it, had the ultimate paradise. 
Now let's just track with me this morning. Adam and Eve is in the Garden of Eden, Mark. They've got utopia. I mean, it is perfect. It's not raining. Uh, it's not cold. Uh, I mean, they have living, are living in paradise. And what did they decide to play God? Yeah, this place is perfect in everything. Are you married to her, by the way? Ah, uh, this place is perfect. I got everything I need, but I'm bored. I need something else in my life. And Adam and Eve played God and got kicked out of the garden in paradise. Now let's just get down to business. How much has God not blessed us sitting here this morning? We have a blessed life that we have the health and the strength to be here this morning, amen? The fact is, is that we go into a church or we're supposed to be coming to a church where God has just blessed us with the greatest year in the history of our church, numerically, souls saved, growth, everything, every quantitative measure that you can put, God blessed us with the Spirit of God changing lives for 14 straight months. Somebody's got saved, baptized, or joined the church. Yeah, but... I'm just not happy. You have small groups that meet on Sunday nights where you develop relationships and you get to live life together. 20 some odd discipleship groups that are helping you discover more how to walk with Jesus. All of these wonderful things. You have a roof over your head this morning. You had a car to drive to church with this morning. You have your health your kids and your family, all of the blessings of God saying, I want to help you be a happy person, and yet y'all are picking to be and play God. Ouch. So why in the freak are we not happy when God's given us? may not be paradise, but he's blessed us. Amen? And so we struggle with the Papa Mole problem of, wanting to run our own lives into, well, I know how to make myself happy. How's that working for you? Proverbs 29, 23 declares that ultimately this struggle is called pride that Papa Mo keeps ringing up in our life. Well, thank you for that encouraging word, Pastor. God does have a word for you guys today. And his word is, I want to bless you. I'm calling you to blessings. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Luke chapter 6. And we're going to see this morning and begin a four-part sermon series called Life's Healthy Choices. And we're going to help you see Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. Now, when you guys think of the, the, uh, the term, if you've been in church for a while or, or used to church, and if you're not used to church, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Beatitudes sounds like a King James word, and it sort of is. But... We call that, uh, when you think of the Beatitudes, Tanner and I were having a conversation earlier about it as we were getting ready, you know, planning out the sermon series and stuff, and he says, so you're going to go to Matthew 6. And I ain't going to lie, Tony, I was impressed that a music guy knew where the Beatitudes were at. Uh, and so it's true. Uh, they were in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, anytime I've ever preached on it, Daniel, it's been Matthew chapter 6. But did you know that the Beatitudes are also in Luke chapter 6. I bet you didn't know that because I've never heard a sermon out of Luke 6 on the Beatitudes. And he doesn't give us all of them. In Luke chapter 6, he just gives us four. And the word blessed, he's calling us to blessings in our life. 
And here's what we're going to discover. In the original Greek, the word blessed can really and should be translated the word happy. So God is calling you in this whack-a-mole life that we're living. He says, I want to I teach you how to be happy with all this stuff that keeps popping up. Let me help you deal with this. Let me show you guys how to be happy. So we're going to look at the summary, if you will, of Luke chapter 6, talking to you guys about the Beatitudes and understanding uh, what the text is about. And one last thing about the text, and then we'll dive in and read it, is there's debate by Bible scholars of whether or not Jesus, I mean, Dr. Luke is just repeating what Jesus said, and we call the Beatitudes the Sermon on the Mount. You remember hearing that phrase before? Well, some Bible scholars argue, and we're going to see in the text, I think they're probably right, that Luke was doing one of two things. Either he's just given us a short synopsis, uh, which means that it's not one of my sermons, a short synopsis of what Jesus preached in Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 6, or it is a completely different sermon where he uses some of the same messages, and they call it the Sermon on the Plain. I like to go with that. So those of you that are right will agree with me. And anyway, uh, so this is the Sermon on the Plain, not on the Mount. And he's talking to us about four Beatitudes about how to be happy people. Let's dive into the text this morning. And he came down with them and stood in a level place. And with a great crowd of his disciples and with a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Now they're talking about Jesus, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. Jesus even cast out demons on this occasion. And all the crowd sought to touch him. Now this is cool. For power came out from him. And I don't know that I've ever really come read this phrase and remembered it. He didn't just heal some of them. He healed them all. That is cool. And, and I want you to let that sink in for a minute. We're going to come back to that. And then he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said unto them, remember our word blessed means happy. Happy are you who are poor. And you're going, dang, what? Uh, happy are you who are poor. Anybody going, I'm poor, but I ain't. Anyway, uh, for yours is the kingdom of God. Well, that don't even make sense, preacher. Don't look at me. Jesus said it. All right, so here's what we're going to unpack for you guys today. Uh, this call to be happy. This call to be happy with the whack-a-mole problems that keep popping up in your life and mine. In verse, Je in verse 20, Jesus turns his attention away from the large crowds to speak truth into his disciples. Now, again, he has earned the right to speak truth into their life because he has healed them all. And he says, if you guys uh, have been healed, so the whack-a-mole problems physically that's coming up in your life, I just addressed those. And, and what we're going to learn this morning is Jesus cares about what you're walking through in this season of your life. He cares about how you feel physically. He cares about the diagnosis that you're dealing with in your life. He cares that all of us have been exposed to Omicron. He cares about what we're going through in our life. And then as he deals with the physical stuff that's going on in our life, he says, let me teach you how to change your mind and your attitude so that you can learn to be happy in the midst of your pain. 
Pretty cool, isn't it? And so he's saying to us, I'm going to minister to you physically, and I'm going to do that, but here's the key to changing your outlook and your attitude as you walk through this season in your life. He says, happy are those who are poor. Now, anybody in here poor? All right, go ahead. I know. And you're going, man, I've been poor all my life, Jack, and I ain't been happy about it once. What in the freak is Jesus talking about? And there's a debate in the biblical text about, is he talking about in, in Luke chapter 6, in Matthew 6, he uses the phraseology in the original language he says, or translated out even, is the word is used poor in spirit. Remember Matthew 6? So is he now, he just shortens it, and he just says, blessed or happy are the poor. So preacher, which one is he talking about? Humility, poor in spirit, or physically poor? Yes. I think he's talking about both. I think he's saying, you know what, I, I want you to have an attitude of humility, and that's how you're going to learn to be happy, but you know what, sometimes you're going to be poor, and it's okay because you can still be happy physically not getting your needs met, and I'm going to show you how that happens in your life. This is how we first take the measure of being happy as we begin with humility that we need Jesus' presence in our lives. And I think this is important. Jesus wants to be present in your struggles, in your whack-a-mole stuff that is happening in your life. The way that you learn to get happy and be happy in your mental and your attitude is you remember that Jesus is here with me in the stuff that's popping up. Last week, um, or about whenever it was, uh, two weeks ago, <clears throat> past all the deadlines, I uh, was diagnosed with COVID for my first time. And yay, won the lottery. And so um, I remember uh, as I was going through that, there were a couple of days with the congestion, and that's the aspect I have it, had of it. And, it, you know, uh, it got a little frustrating. Uh, I'm not used to being down. And and last Sunday sort of came to a head as I was finishing, starting to come out of it. The next day, the doctors would tell me, you know, okay to circulate and go back out after my quarantine period. But I remember last Sunday sucked. And <clears throat> I'm different than some of y'all. I really love going to church. And I miss not being here. And God bless, and I'm so thankful that we have such a great online presence and that we're able to do what we're able to do. But it ain't nothing like being here today. And I need to be in that fellowship of seeing y'all's faces. And it's what I even love about Alan's group that meets in Missouri. At least they're meeting together to worship, and they're meeting, and they get to see each other. And there's just something. And I know some of y'all are ugly, but, uh, man, I miss seeing you. And, and, I, and last Sunday, uh, my lungs were hurting. I was struggling physically. Didn't get to preach, was mad about that. Tanner did a great job, but, but man, I just, 
I miss being around you guys. And, and it was a very humbling time. And the Lord really taught me how to live this message out. And he said, but I'm here with you. And part of what I want you to learn in this process is that is this whack-a-mole physical challenge has come up in your life. Know that I'm going to be with you. And not only am I going to get you through the physical part of this, I'm going to heal you and you're going to be fine. And you're going to move on with your life, get back engaged in life. But here's what I want you to know. I'm here with you. And then let me teach you how to be happy and share with others the joy of overcoming the whack-a-mole problems in your life and this is why our church is involved in meeting the needs of people Jesus in verses 17 through 19 he healed and ministered to the physical needs of everyone you need to know this morning that Jesus cares about what you're walking through in this season of your life, and he will be present physically. You say, but I've never been healed. I know, I get it. We will never ultimately be healed to the other side. You realize we're all going to die. Omicron or not, get engaged in life. We're all going to die from something. But he wants to be with us and give us happiness in the journey as we walk through this, he ministered to them physically so that he could teach them practically how to be happy in the midst of their pain. And this is what we're doing here at Connect Church. Two weeks ago, preaching on a Sunday morning, first Sunday of the year, and Billy and Trish Jones in our church get a text and a call on their phone. And it said, you need to come home now. Your house is on fire. They're in our church, in our worship services, and they race home to Nettleton, and they lose everything. And it was devastating. And by God's providence and his grace, a um, couple that works with him was here at church. We went out to eat with them, and they're telling us, yeah, we were, I didn't have a clue. Had no idea that they even knew this family. And they said, we work with Billy and Trish at the same place. And we're taking them to lunch. And they said, here's how you get in touch with them. And here's how you follow up with them. And so, Chris, as soon as we got done with lunch, I made my way down to Nettleton to look at their burned out home. And by the time it got dark, we had not only made contact through the church physically for their whack-a-mole day that had popped up in their life, but we had provided over $1,000 that had been already given to them. We had clothes that were already being collected for them, uh, stuff for their daughter, stuff for them to wear, arrangements between the insurance and Red Cross and our church, a place for them to stay. And already before the sun went down, when it really did snow la that Sunday or two weeks ago, we were in their lives ministering to them. And trust me, uh, Billy and Trish Jones realize that not only is God present in the whack-a-mole stuff that happens in your life, but Jesus wants to bring them happiness in the midst of their pain. And I think that's the message that Jesus has for us today. Is he says, I care about what you're walking through in this season of your life, but I need you to slow down and I need you to remember. Blessed, happier those who humble themselves and recognize my authority over every whack-a-mole problem in your life. So what does that look like for you and I to recognize Jesus' authority over every whack-a-mole problem that you're facing? 
How do you get this into your thinking to have victory every day, to be happy in the midst of all the stuff that keeps popping up? Can I illustrate it to you by taking you to the island of Cuba this morning? And for those of our church family, uh, 20, 30 people that's been with us to Cuba, uh, you know what I'm talking about. When you take a mission trip uh, that we do or used to until COVID every year to Cuba, uh, you get a chance to have a different life experience than you've ever uh, thought about or ever experienced. When you set foot onto that island and you land on that plane in Havana, it is unlike any airport that you've ever been in before. Armed guards walk you through security-wise, and you're thinking, I'm going to jail. Uh, It is a little bit of a terrifying experience. It is not a big, fancy, modern airport that the Americans fly into. And when you land there, you realize, and all of a sudden, you feel like you've stepped back into a 1959 movie because the cars are old and the houses are old and the and the I mean it is folks living in poverty and the truth is in the midst of this COVID season they're struggling and they do most every day even without COVID just to get enough food on their table to get one decent meal mark a day and you realize we are blessed way more and we are so so blessed and we don't appreciate it. And the people in Cuba who struggle just to have enough rice to eat, who can't afford for us to even be there, and we go there and we bring the financial resources because you guys tithe and give. And so when we're there, they have to go on the black market because they don't even have enough food in their economy to get us food because they want us well taken care of. That's how generous and happy these people are. And when you get there, you find that these people living in poverty who struggle to get one decent meal a day, who don't have the basic modern healthcare stuff that we have. Uh, Blynn and I had the privilege of when we've been there to carry medicines, and we've oftentimes taken uh, you know, medical supplies into the country. And many times we've been in places where we would carry just a bottle of Tylenol, Cheryl, to a family with the little kids who've never ever had a pain reliever for their kids when they had fevers or colds or anything else. They've never gotten relief. And just to see those parents just fall and hug us because just the simple little Tylenol bottle. And yet these people are happy. So what's the difference between Cubans and Americans? And I think it's this whole phrase that Jesus was using that they're humble and they just recognize that God is still on the throne. He's in charge of everything that we're physically. These people literally, and I really want to go there, but I'm going to be nice this morning. Uh, These people get up on Sunday morning and whether it's raining or not or whether whatever is going on or not, they get on a scooter, they hitchhike to church, they get on a bus that you wouldn't set foot on, and they literally beg, borrow, whatever they can just to get their bus to church because they are in love with Jesus Christ. And guess what happens next? I'm going to go there. They don't worry about how long the preacher is. They don't care about how many songs they sing because they ain't got nowhere to go. They're there to declare God is almighty and we love him. They're happy, and they're not worried about beating the Methodist to McAllister's Deli. And so maybe we could learn a great lesson about how to be happy 
in Jesus. Humility is wanting to know and believe and know that God is who he says he is. Here's who he is. I think the Cubans have figured this out, and this is what God wants you and I to know this morning. Isaiah chapter 40. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth, and measured the weight of the mountains in scales and hills in a balance? Anybody else been able to measure the mountains? Do you guys know? And by the way, those of you that want to keep playing God with your life, have you ever done any of these things? I think not. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man gives counsel to God? Ladies and gentlemen, Isaiah pondered the questions that the Cubans pondered that I'm imploring Connect Church to ponder this morning. And here's the answer to the question. Indeed, Almighty God is just that. Almighty. Somebody say amen. He is all-powerful, and it cannot be denied. Your happiness rests in truth. Y'all just sing about it this morning. How, what did we just sing about? It's not how I feel, Jonathan. It's about the truth of who God is. No matter how I feel or no matter what Papa Mole thing is happening in my life, the truth is God is still like Almighty. Somebody say amen. So he's saying to you and I today, <coughs> Why have you forgotten this? Y'all, let's, get, let's get this down. Um, y'all not getting this. Let me illustrate you. Do you remember growing up and singing as a kid, Tony? You know, back in the days when we didn't have electric lights. And so, remember singing the old songs in church. And uh, for us old folks, uh, you're going to remember this song. Remember singing, he's got the whole world in his hands. You remember singing that song? Let's, let's sing it together on the count of three. Uh, I mean, we remember that. He's got the whole world in his hands. Remember singing? That was such a good song. On the count of three, let's just sing it together. One, two, three. In his hand, got the whole wide. I mean, give yourself a round of applause. That is so good. Good job. That's terrible. <laughs> that wasn't bad. <laughs> Put on your mask. Uh, anyway, and so, so here's the thing. You should have seen your all's faces. I'm not sure they did it in the 9 o'clock service, but man, you all that have been grouchy and grumpy looking at me this whole time and trying to stay awake, y'all just started smiling when you all sang that song. Can I ask you a really good question this morning? Isn't that not a great song? Did we not believe that as kids growing up, that he's got it? You know, hey, what, what else could I be worried about? What else could I be freaking out about? He's got the whole world in his hands. Let me ask you this. Why did you stop believing it? Why don't you all keep singing it? What's changed? What's changed is, is you all want to be God instead of letting him be God. He's still got the world in his hands. And if we want to be happy, poor in spirit, model after the Cubans, then we've got to remember the spirit of the Lord not only fills us, write this down, but he also directs us into all truth. And the truth is, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what's popping up in your life. He's still got the whole world in his hands. So this morning, 
I want to borrow some principles from Pastor Rick Ward, and I want to share with you what it looks like this morning. I want you to write this down. To be poor in spirit, to be poor in spirit, I must, first of all, <coughs> humbly admit that I need help. And that's a hard truth for many of us. Now look at me this morning real quickly. Do we not want to be conquerors? Man, our, our, our DNA, our culture, our society, us, and our personality types, man, I'm going to push through till I win. Look at me. I'm going down the wrong road, but man, I'll tell you what, I'm going to turn this around. And, and, and the Papamo stuff starts happening in our life. And so we ignore God. We, we spend time on our phones. We don't listen to God. We make impulsive decisions. And we use all of our energy and our willpower to change our circumstances. And it doesn't work. Because you're not called to overcome on your own. You're called to surrender and live by grace. The bad news is, this is humility. God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Grace is the power that you guys need to change. And let's be honest. If we're going to make healthy choices in our life and to really change our attitude and our mentality then we have to realize willpower doesn't work. Why do you guys have to keep adding other stuff to your life and not realize that God has given you so much? <clears throat> I'm going to illustrate to you this way. We like to use terms, and they're good terms, theological terms, that God is omnipotent. And that means that God is all-powerful. Man, we put a Facebook post about that. Amen. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. I believe that God can do all things. He holds the whole world in his hands. Amen. And then we like to also brag about that he's omniscient, that, you know, that God knows all. And God's got this figured out. Man, God has answers that I've never even dreamed of yet. God knows all this stuff. Amen? So we, we, we like to use those theological terms. They're great theological terms. We need to know them. We need to believe in them. But we have forgotten about one of my favorites. And I think this is why we're not happy, is we have forgotten that God is also omnipresent. And what that means is he's everywhere. Whatever pops up in your life, God is there. What happens tomorrow, God is there. What happened last week, God was there. Whatever you're facing uh, next month, God's going to be there. And we have forgotten that God is with us in the pop-em-up-most stuff in our life. It's easy for me to say. And so I'm just telling you, why do we keep making unhealthy choices? We're going to run to the next thing. You never finish anything. You keep trying to make yourself happy, and maybe you need to admit, number one, that you're broken. It takes humility to admit, folks, we're all broken. We're all cursed by sin. We keep hiding and ignoring the unhealthy things in our life, and we want to pretend they're not there. Folks, we cannot be happy until we admit that we're broken and quit pretending that you don't have any problems. I must admit to defeat it. I must admit it to defeat it. You can't be happy until you admit that the papa mole stuff in your life and mine that we can't control, we're wasting way amount of time in our lives trying to be somebody we're not. Look at me this morning. 
if you were to watch our lives by social media, you would think that we are the most blessed and happy people on the planet. And yet some of the most miserable marriages, unhappy people, are not what you all post on social media. Can I say once and once and for all, maybe it's time that you spend less time posting about how perfect your life is and spend more time praying. Maybe we're not happy because we will, we keep hanging on to secrets. My secrets keep me sick and I can't defeat them until I admit that they're there. And then thirdly and finally this morning, if we want to be happy people, it's my pride and my fear that keeps me stuck. <laughs> it's me. Um, there was a book that was written in the 1970s. And so some of us have been around a while. And you remember the book, it was very, a bestseller. And it was called, I'm Okay and You're Okay. You remember it? And it's really back in vogue today. Y'all's generation, man, you're eating this kind of stuff up. And, it, and the book's title was, I'm Okay, You're Okay. And it, what basically it just says that in whatever world I'm living in, whatever universe I'm living in, uh, we'll go to Spider-Man here this morning, whatever meta-universe I'm living in is that, man, I, I'm okay and you're okay. And as long as I'm happy, then that means that you should be happy too. And, and you would think, if you would listen to some of the folks around us today, everybody in our country is happy. Well, I got news for you. Many of you weren't happy with Trump. A lot more of you are not happy with Biden. I'm telling you, I'm okay, you okay. There's a theological term that helps describe what this book is about. And the theological term that I would like to use this morning is a crock of baloney. Because there is no being happy in this life on our own. The government can't make you happy. Democrats and Republicans cannot make you happy. Folks, it doesn't work. What works is recognizing and admitting I'm broken and I need Jesus. If you guys decide to quit playing God, they, well, preacher, doing my hear journals is not for me. It doesn't make me happy. You're lying to yourself. I'm not going to join a small group because I don't want other people knowing anything about me. I'm telling you, you're lying to yourself. God designed you to know the truth of who he is in his word and prayer, and you're not going to find that out by spending so much stupid time on your phone, reading a book, or entertaining yourself. You need time with him. You need to be around other Christians in discipleship, living your lives together, so that when the papa mole issues come up in your life, physically, emotionally, mentally, you have a group of people around you that are going to be there to love you and take care of you and encourage you and support you financially and every other way. That's why we have small groups. You need discipleship. And there's no other short change way to do it, to be happy. And we need to come to his house. And we need to be reminded every Sunday that we just faced hell last week. And the devil lied to us and he beat us down. And we come humbly into his presence this morning and say, God, I need to see you in your glory again. That's what makes you happy. And John, if you've been reading with us in our here journals, it's just that simple and that's it. In John chapter 3, 
We've been reading through the Bible together as a church family. And in John chapter 3 last week, we come across the story of Nicodemus. I've read it, preached it a thousand times. And it was, this is why the God's word is so cool and so good. And it makes us happy. As I'm reading through it again, and it just leaped off the pages to me this week, uh, last week, Grant, is, and I don't know how I've missed it all these years, oh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Nicodemus is a religious dude. He is a sharp dude. He's got all of his junk together. And Nicodemus is just so enamored with hearing about Jesus. Man, Mark, he's just like, Jesus is healing people. This is different than my religion and my, you know, what I'm comfortable with and my traditions. Man, I'm telling you, what Jesus is doing is different than the church and stuff that I've been. I, and he comes to Jesus and he says, I want more. And Jesus just says, but your problem is, Nicodemus, you're not diving in with me. And he looks at him. And in John 3, 16, he says, Nicodemus, you're wanting to intellectually come to this conclusion. And you're not happy, Nicodemus, because you won't accept the simple truth that God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe in him should be saved. And I don't believe on that occasion that Nicodemus dove in. And I don't believe Nicodemus was happy. I think he was miserable because he's trying to straddle the fence. He's trying to keep his feet in both groups. And all the while, Jesus said, you got to dive in and you got to plug into me. You just got to accept like a child who I am and then dive in. I recently, the staff has got me to switch over to Mac computers and they tell me that one of the great features about having a Mac is you can just plug your phone in. And, you know, I'm stupid with all this stuff. And so, man, I'm griping and bellyaching at the team. And I said, I plugged my phone in my computer and it didn't charge. And then they looked at me and they said, well, did you open it up and turn it on? I go, no. And I think that's sort of where we're at here this morning. Is it's really simple how to be happy. Jesus has offered you his church, his word, fellowship. He's given you everything, but you've got to decide, I'm plugging in. I'm in. I'm diving in. All I want is Jesus. And when you do, happy is the man. Happy is the man who knows the presence and the power of the King. Shall we stand? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for making it a simple gospel. There's somebody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior. We want to invite them to come this morning and just step out and just say, man, I'm ready to choose Jesus in my heart and my life. And church family, let me talk to you this morning in the quietness of the moment. Those of you that are still with us online, man, here's a chance for you to just be still and to kneel right beside your couch or kneel or maybe come to this old-fashioned altar as we sing a verse of invitation and go, man, I am not happy. The Papa Mole stuff keeps coming up in my life. And my problem is, is me. I'm just not diving in and plugging into Jesus. Happy. Jesus wants you to be happy, but it means surrender. I admit I'm broken and I need to live by grace. And today I come by grace and say, Jesus, I'm diving in. As we sing a verse of invitation, would you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. 
Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.